Episode 44, Recovering Workaholic with Megan Hunt. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin. And today, Deb, myself, and guest Megan Hunt discuss burnout, work-life balance, and what it means to be a recovering workaholic. Megan digs deep into how changing the stories in her head allowed her to drastically change her outlook on life. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection, and in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today we have a new co-host, Deb Dendy. Deb, could you do a brief introduction? Absolutely. Thanks, Ron. It's Deb Dendy here from Tempe, Arizona. I'm glad to be joining the show today. I have done a lot of things in my career, in my life, starting out in the semiconductor industry for quite a long time, and then started working with Ron about six years ago, teaching some workshops, and finally said, you know what, I just need to be doing this for the rest of my life because I'm having so much fun. So joined Ron and his company, Macklin Connection, in February and have not looked back. It's just been a, a pleasure to work in a new environment and especially to get the chance to work with Ron. Thanks, Deb. And for those of you who are used to Michelle being on the podcast with us today, she's taking a, a break from being a podcast host doing some traveling with Marcus, so shout out to Michelle. And our guest today is Megan. Megan, could you do a, a brief introduction? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Megan. I am a recovering workaholic, a graphic designer, creator, and doer of all things. And I'm very excited to be here with you guys today. Thank you so much, Megan. And so I'm completely curious, after your introduction, what does it look like to be a recovering workaholic? It's a, a lot of internal work. So for most of my adult life, I have worked 60 to 80 hours a week. And most days of the week, I had no work-life boundaries at all. So after a really bad burnout period, I've been really doing the work and figuring out why I've internalized this need to be productive and work so much. So I have <laughs> encountered some, like, it's almost like triggers where like something will come up. And I'll say, oh, I can stay late for that. I can do that. And I have been battling this incessant need to just be productive all of the time. And it's almost painful. It's getting better. But there have been periods of time where it's been painful for me to even rest, to just let myself just watch a show or just work on a yarn craft or just draw or do something that doesn't have any sort of purpose. So it's been fun. Where does that come from for you? Oh, childhood trauma for sure. <laughs> so with me, I came from a past where I had five brothers and two sisters, and my parents both had some struggles being people themselves, being a parent, difficult. I understand that, but I had to step up and take responsibility for a lot of things. So I started being really useful to those around me. 
at a very young age and then kind of ingrained that need to be productive and useful and helpful to everyone around me with being valuable. So I thought that I only had a value as a human being if I was providing for others and doing for others. And that when I graduated at 16 and entered the workforce and started doing the things, I immediately would be put into management positions in every role I was ever in and moved up and moved up and moved up. And over time, it just became like, oh, my job is my value. And I also, because I had financial insecurities as a child, as an adult, I refused to work just one job. I am 31 years old, and this is the first time in my adult life that I've had one job at a time. Wow. Because I've always done two or three jobs. Thank you. You use the word burnout, and it's like it's on the internet. Everybody's talking about burnout, whatever burnout is. What is burnout for you? So for me, whenever I had my pivotal moment of, I cannot do this anymore, I was working until four. I would get up at 7 a.m., start working as soon as I woke up, and then I would work until 4 a.m. every day. And I did that for months. And I hit this point where I, I, just to be candid, I didn't see the point continuing living. This isn't living. And I sat there and I was like, oh, can you just come up with like five reasons to keep going? Five reasons. And I couldn't come up with one. And I just broke down. And for the first time in my life, I said, I contacted my employer. I said, I need a week off. I was really honest about the fact that I just, and it was for my mental health. I couldn't keep doing the 4 a.m.s. And that was the only time I've not returned to a job. I had been with that agency for years and it just wasn't sustainable to work until 4 a.m. every day because every project was a rush. Every client had these unrealistic deadlines and no one was mitigating anything. Like we wouldn't say no to clients. We would just do it. And if they needed me to do a bunch of like custom coding or animations or anything that would like our time intensive things, they would promise them that I could have them by the next day and then I would just have to do it. So for me, what that looked like was I physically could not do anything. I couldn't bring myself to do anything. I think I spent a full week just laying on the couch, existing. If that, I mean, it's barely existing. And I I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to do anything because in my body, it felt like I had shut down completely. And it took me a lot of soul searching to figure out my role in that because I obviously take responsibility. I didn't say no either. I tried to advocate for myself, but I didn't try to advocate for myself early on enough in my adult life. And so it just became a cycle and people expected these things from me and I would go above and beyond for every single thing that I would do. So I had to accept my role in that and really reevaluate what I wanted my life to look like. What occurs to me and you're telling a story is you changed the story that was in your head about what value was, what, who you were. How how did you go about changing the stories in your head? Well, for the last year, I have been focusing on with everything that's gone on in the world and there's been a lot of isolation and time alone. Who am I as a person? So luckily, I had already been doing a lot of that discovery on what I am, what I value, how I work best, and all of those things. So because I had that foundation, whenever I decided to separate my value to others and value as a human from my productivity, I had some foundation for things that I enjoyed. So I spent a lot of time going through and testing things 
So it was a lot of, do I like this? I have a mild interest in it. Do I like this? How do I, I had to relearn how to be a friend because a lot of my friendships that I've had for most of my life were still in that realm of, here, let me do that for you. Let me help you with that. Let me research that for you. Let me spend time or effort or energy in doing something for you. So I had to reevaluate a lot of those relationships and restructure what that looks like with my partner. I realized that I had kind of gotten into this role of, because we've been together for 14 years, I had gotten into this role of they would just say, I'm hungry. And I would immediately get up and make them food or I'm thirsty. And I would, and they never asked me to do that. And I had to really separate myself from being responsible for the needs of everyone around me to saying, hey, if you want a drink and you want me to get the drink, I'm happy to get you the drink, but you have to ask for it. <laughs> you know, little things like that that you don't even think about because they're so ingrained in your day-to-day life. I, I'm curious about how the story in your head had to change also about taking care of you uh, versus always taking care of others. Yes. I was at the very bottom of the totem pole when it came to taking care of myself. The story in my head regarding that was basically that I could provide for myself after everyone else. So I had to reprioritize and kind of put myself back at the top of the list. And I will fully admit that I was kind of in that that realm of, oh, self-care is like a nice bath or doing something superficial or eating a nice meal or something like that. But for in reality, my self-care a lot of the times was just reading a book, letting myself rest. Sometimes it's mindlessly scrolling social media because I never gave myself permission to enjoy it. It was always like a dirty thing that like I would sneak in between meetings for like two seconds. Art is a big one. I've been rediscovering my connection to art because in the past, well, I'm in the design industry, so I create pretty things all day long, but I kind of separated myself from creating things that were just for me. They weren't going on the internet. They weren't for another company. They weren't for a marketing strategy with like four different bullet points on how we're going to integrate this into other funnels. And and I don't have to show anybody. I can just make it for myself. And that was a really interesting thing to figure out how I can show up for myself on a daily basis without having to have it attached to anybody else. Megan, our normal program that we put people through is called the Macklin Method Workshop. And one of the things they learn is our seven-step process. Then the last step is to allow real contribution. I mean, to allow others to help me, right? And we find that that's a place where a lot of people, like, they they, they fight that. They, they don't want to accept help from other people. How are, how are you with accepting help with others? And how are you changing that story? Yes. So that was a lesson I had to learn. That was a big one for me because I – wouldn't reschedule appointments. I wouldn't say no. I never would ask for help if I was struggling. I would at most maybe say, hey, I'm struggling, but I would never ask for the help that I need. So I had to start off because I identified really early on that this was a problem for me whenever I was going through this process. I would start a advocating for myself. If I didn't have time or energy for something, I would say no, which is a form of people helping me because I don't have to give them that that time or energy. And then I would start with small things like I started asking my partner, hey, can you get me some water? Because I would never ask someone to get me a drink. Or I would challenge myself to even with small things in my friendships like, hey, do you think that you have the time or energy to help me with this project? 
And I think that I've noticed with my pattern, I am always really mindful to ask someone else before I ask them for a favor. Do you have the time or energy for this in your life? Because I want to be really mindful moving forward that I'm setting the boundary for both of us. That if you don't have time or energy for this activity, that is absolutely okay. And if I don't have time or energy for it, it's also okay. But I want it on both sides for it to be a mutual exchange. And I never want someone to give from an empty cup. Another way that I've been asking others for help is I've been really vocal about the fact that I want things. I want relationships with people. I want, because I my friendships were not a priority for most of my life. So like I've established like a weekly game night. And that might not seem like asking someone for help, but for me, that connection and having that recurring just moment of play as an adult is really important to me. And it might be Dungeons and Dragons, but to me, that's a lifelong dream I wanted when I was in those dark moments to have the free time to spend two or three hours a week with friends playing a game. And I have that now. You use the term empty cup. What, what does that mean for you? So essentially everyone has a reservoir of energy that they're willing or that they have available to them at all. Some of it that you might reserve for work or relationships or friendships or certain activities. And then there's like this special reserve of energy that you have for just existing. And that's kind of at your bottom of your cup and you should never touch that. However, for me, I was basically operating at a point where at the bottom of the cup, that basic survival energy that you reserve for nobody but yourself, I was dipping into that for work. I was dipping into that for friendships. I was dipping into that for all of the different things that I was committing to other people. And I had gotten to the point where like my cup was cracked. There was no, it wasn't collecting energy anymore. What little energy I would get would just seep through down into those cracks, trying to fill all of the damage that I had been doing to myself. So that cup's really important. Yeah, so for some of our other listeners who may be feeling burnt out, can you talk through like h- how you noticed and how you pulled yourself up? Like I know you talked about having to take the week off, but are, were there other signs that you noticed? Oh yes, there were years of signs. I would love everyone to catch this well before they get to the point that I was at. So for me, the signs were, first, look at your thought process. Look at the ways that you are leading yourself day to day. So those little thoughts that just kind of run through your mind, really start to be mindful and observe them. Are they about your worth, productivity, work? Are you even thinking about yourself at all? And whenever you start to really be mindful and observe your thought patterns, when you think about you need something simple, I want an evening to myself to do an activity that I enjoy. What feelings in your body do you have? Does that immediately elicit a sense of panic, fear, guilt? Do you feel like if you take even an hour for yourself that you're taking away from everybody else in your life? If you ask yourself that question and the answer is, oh, I I couldn't possibly take one hour for myself. What is going on in your life that you don't have one hour within the span of a week It doesn't even have to be today. Just could you schedule one hour in the next week to do something just for yourself without work being part of it, your family being a part of it, your friends, anyone counting on you for that one hour? And if the answer is no, then maybe 
start implementing like a five minute block. Can I do five minutes? Can I do 10 minutes? And start to regain some agency in your own life because I don't want anybody else to get to that point. And if you feel like you're in the same pattern as me where you're, you feel like you've gone too far down the path and you can't advocate for yourself anymore because you've already set the precedent that you do X, Y, and Z and you go above and beyond, you can. <laughs> that was a story I told myself that like my advocating was going on deaf ears, but I could have been more direct. I could have been more open about my struggles. And if you go to your employer and say, hey, these are my boundaries. This is what I was hired to do. This is what I'm comfortable with doing. This is what I can do within like an eight hour period of time or whatever we've committed to do. And I want to work with you on establishing a better, like, I know this can't happen overnight realistically, but can we work together toward this goal? And if the answer is no, there are other jobs out there. (laughs) You don't have to work. I mean, I know one of my big things and part of my journey was I was very intentional about if I was going to work for a company, I wanted them to meet X, Y, and Z criteria. And I would not work with a company that did not reach that. So now I'm with a company. We start every day with a meditation. We don't have emergencies within the design realm because it's design. If there aren't any emergencies in design, they're absolutely urgent projects that we can prioritize, but I don't need to be up until 4 a.m. anymore. If we need time off, we're welcome to take that. If we need a flexible schedule, we don't have like a set schedule. We get our work done. We are adults. Nobody falls behind. And if we were to fall behind, we're a team and we can work together to help someone through that period of time. And that matters. That makes a difference. I've never had a job that actually treated me like an adult or a human or a person. And I've been up to the point of like director level positions. And I've never been an autonomous human being up until this point. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. And I... (laughs) It, it, it strikes me to think about what other people must have noticed in you when they saw this change that you didn't want to be burned out anymore. You didn't want to work like this. How accepting were they of you setting boundaries with them? I've actually had nobody be resistant to it. I think all of these boundaries, if I'm being really honest, were self-imposed. Mm. No one in my life has said, this isn't okay. No one has pushed back at anything. In fact, when I started to ask for things or be more vocal about things or firm when I would say no, they would be excited and celebrate that with me. And I'm 100% certain there are people in other people's life that would feel resistant to it because they're used to being in that sort of relationship with you where you're the caretaker or you're the primary responsible party and they're not. And I'm not saying everything was perfect for me all of the way across. There were some relationships like my my childhood best friend. We've been best friends since fourth grade. There have absolutely been times where it's like, I can't research that for you. I can't do that for you. And we've had to kind of like reestablish that. But that doesn't mean that there's a problem with it. And if you do have someone in your life where you start to advocate for yourself and you start to set these boundaries and fill up more space and be a person and they're resistant to it, that's okay because you're a new person. You're rediscovering who you are. And so they're also rediscovering who they are. And sometimes those perceptions, because everyone casts you in a role, essentially, they've cast you in the role of caretaker or responsible party or whatever it is for them. And it's going to be sometimes difficult, but you can work through that together. You can be open and honest and you're also 
casting the role of they need you. That was a big one for me. Oh, my partner needs me to do this. My friend needs me to do this. My employer needs me to do this. And most of the time, if I was in a rush or I was putting stress on myself or it was something that was super urgent and then I would really step back and ask myself who who decided that it was it was most of the time me and my they don't need me the way that I thought and that's okay in fact that's beautiful but sometimes it is a learning like it's hard to you have to grow thanks Megan there's something you wrote in pre-work right as it says I have found a beautiful balanced life full of love and connection Tell me more about balanced life and love and connection. Absolutely. So I have found that when I'm not constantly in a state of rush, urgent panic, that my quality of work is significantly better. Not that my quality before was bad, but I'm able to really enjoy the process and create better things that are with a better, just energetic, like, because when you make stuff out of stress, it, it's a re- it resonates in there. Like you feel that this wasn't a project that I really put my heart into. The work comes easier. I do things a lot faster actually when I'm not stressing and worried about how this is going to happen. And I have all of the, the anxiety steps ahead of the project with balance for me. I don't come into work early anymore. I don't work late anymore. Those are boundaries that I set for myself. And if it is five minutes after and I'm still here and I notice that it's time to go, it's time to go. And I'm respectful and I'm kind about it. I'm not just going to just leave in the middle of a meeting, but I'm, I'm so much more respectful of my time and their time and those boundaries of just having the time before work and the time after work when it comes to like work-life balance are huge because I have whole evenings now. I didn't know what to do with my time initially because I never had a whole evening before. It felt like I had opened up a whole new life. And then when it comes to meaningful relationships, because I've allowed myself to have more time, I have found and I've no longer like I'm stepping away from that caretaker role for a lot of friends and family members and my partner. I've found new connections with the people around me, deeper connections, because I'm just me and they're just them and we don't have to play these roles in my head anymore where I can appreciate them and learn about them and we can get to know each other in a whole new way. But I'm also just a huge advocate in general for getting to know the people in your life long term over and over again. If you've been friends with someone or you have a partner that you've been with for a while, it's okay to just start over again and say, hey, what's your favorite song? What are you eating right now? What's your favorite drink? When you lay in bed at night, what's the thing that's popping in your head? Because we're humans. We change. Yeah, how, how I listen. One of the other things that we work through in the, in the Macklin Method workshop is the stand. And a stand is what we will do, what we won't do, and what we might do. And that you've changed the stand that you're living in for yourself. Did you notice when you were working so many hours, did you, did you notice you had a stand? <laughs> No. <laughs> when I was doing that, I was essentially, and for most of my adult life, I've just been project to project existing, and I would lose so much time in my life. It felt like I lost like a solid decade because it was just wake up, go to work, do the things, come home, oh, more work. 
<laughs> do those things. And then we just got to push through this project and then do the next thing. And I am thankful for that time. I'm not saying I regret it. I do regret to an extent of not experiencing life to a fuller potential and really being, cause I'm kind of focusing on living slowly, living intentionally, living with purpose and enjoying every little thing. But I don't regret having that experience because of how much I've grown and learned from it. And I've had opportunities to work on some really cool projects. I've worn a lot of hats. I've done a lot of things. My, yes, I can help you with that absolutely with no boundaries was very poor for my mental health. But because of that, I learned how to do data analysis and marketing and manage hundreds of employees and reporting and different, like so many different facets of design and how to do wedding videography and wedding photography. And I've just done it all because I never said no to anything. So I have a lot of really cool experience professionally that are tools that I'm definitely going to be using moving forward. As I listen to you, there may be some people that think to find the joy in life again, they have to leave their profession or they have to do something completely different. And I'm not- I'm just noticing you that you, you stayed in your same profession, but added joy. Yes. I, I don't necessarily think that the current system for working is the best system that we could have. I think that there are ways that we could improve upon it in a big way. And working isn't for everybody. I don't know that I want to work for the rest of my life. And I'm honest and candid about that. But I also really do enjoy work. And you don't have to start a whole new life and leave your profession. You might have to leave your job. You might have to leave that manager that doesn't have the boundaries that you need. But that doesn't mean that you have to, if you genuinely enjoy what you do, leave the profession that you enjoy. Now, for some people, you might want to look at another career path. You might not know that there's a door that's really similar to what you were doing. I know with design for me, I didn't even know that was a thing until I realized it was a thing and that everything around me was touched by someone in some capacity. But that doesn't mean that you have to change what you're doing. I just found a better company and I stopped taking personal clients unless I really wanted to work on the project and I set boundaries. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Megan. So we've been in a way dancing with your story and what you're doing. What questions do you have for us? I think that what you guys are doing is a really cool thing. I've definitely gone through your website, both as a consumer and as a designer, just because I can't look at any piece of content without putting that hat on. But I think that what you guys are doing is really impactful and good. And I think that if you were someone in the audience and you were listening to my story and you were considering the Macklin method, if someone were looking to change their life in this way, is there any piece of content, whether it be within a course or a blog or anything that you think that would be a really good resource for them? That's a great question. Ron, do you want to take that? Oh, I was going to offer it to you first. Okay. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we have an amazing content manager, Kara Large, who has been building our website with content. And it depends on what people are curious about. If they're curious about what does it look like to take the Macklin Method workshop, there's an article on that in our learning center. If they're curious about what will this do for my life, there's an article about that. And a great resource on the website is also the Frequently Asked Questions. 
So these are questions that, that customers ask, wondering, is this right for me? And so those are all resources that they can find on our website at MacklinConnection.com that are really useful for them to walk through and see, wow, is this something that I'd be interested in? Yeah, thanks, Deb. I offer the, like, what is a scared self? Is one of the fundamental pieces of what we use, uh, one of like 30 different pieces of knowledge we use to create our, our methodology. And that is that we all have stories in our head. We're closed systems, which means everything that's up there, we put there. Nobody else put it there. And nobody else can take it away. Sometimes even we can't take it away. And that story that keeps going in our head has a bias. And that bias is it's afraid. Right? It's why negative social media travels nine times better than positive social media. Because we are all afraid. And one of the most important things we can learn and hold is we all think there's something wrong with us because we're afraid versus we're normal that we're afraid. The people that are afraid are actually not afraid. Ones who are not afraid are actually have something wrong with them. The rest of us who have that fear, it's the normal ones. Yes. I, I've worked with employees like at the lower level and I've worked all the way up to C-level executives. And I just want to assure you that if you're feeling any sort of fear or like you're not enough or imposter syndrome or like you can't do this thing because you don't have whatever experience you feel is necessary for that, no one knows. And all of those people, no one knows definitively what they should or should not be doing. They are making their best educated guess and doing their best. And your story doesn't have to look a certain way for you to have whatever result you're looking for. No one knows what they're doing and they're all doing their best. So if you feel like, oh, someone in this position of power is so much better or this person that's my idol, I've worked with my idols and they're just humans, just like you with flaws and fears and anxieties. And it's okay. We've noticed besides for ourselves, but with the other people we've met, the ones who can talk about their fears are the ones who have the most success. The ones who hide their fears are the ones who are limited by them. And so we are working in how to discuss, talk about, bring forth our fears in a way that they don't have us, we have them. And so that's one of the main things. And there's a story in there about what is a scared self on our website. Any other questions for us? I don't believe so. I hope that you guys are all having a wonderful day, though. Thanks. And Deb, anything else from you? No, I just want to thank you, Megan. You know, we've been talking a lot about burnout over the past couple of years. And for you to create a better description of it for people and some things that they can do if they are feeling burnout was very helpful and helpful for me as well. I'm glad. Thanks. And, and Megan, this is a chance for you. Is there any, like what you're up to, anything you want people to go look at or listening through and they want to reach out to you or connect to you? How can they do that? Of course. So I don't personally have much that I want to promote, but if you wanted to listen to me talk in a microphone a little bit more, I do have a podcast, Woo AF, that you can look in the link in the bio of this episode and go to. And I am currently not taking on any design clients or anything at this moment, but I do have a website, it's com that I will be updating whenever I am in a place where I want to work with people at a design capacity. Well, thank you, Megan, and thank you, Deb. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, 
We believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.